Welcome back to the Evolve podcast. My name is Sasha Andrianova, and I'm so excited for today's episode. I was lucky enough to host DJ Michelle Francesca on today's pod. She's a New York-based DJ who has been living her purpose for the last 13 years, playing in clubs all across the city, tuning into people's energy, and creating an experience that matters. She's an energy reader serving her audience with music that is truly in alignment with the experience that's in their best service. And I just really love Michelle's energy throughout this conversation. The way that she speaks about her journey to becoming a DJ and her passion for playing is filled with so much radiance and self-confidence that I personally could use a little bit more of in my own life. She speaks with so much joy and love for what she does, and I'm so excited for you to hear from her about her story. We talk Michelle's backstory, what it was like to find her passion and build the skill set for it, and then also what it's like to be a DJ in New York City, how music connects her to source and spirit, and how the sacred space of sound has helped her heal, and how it differs from music that we might experience in nightlife. Again, I'm so excited for you to tune into the conversation, to hear Michelle's passion, and to learn from her. If you have a creative pursuit that makes your heart sing, this episode is for you. Let's take it away. Michelle, do you want to say hi? Hi. Yes. (laughs) Hi. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. just before we started recording, I had asked Michelle what she views an energy reader is. And then she started explaining it and I was like, hold on, stop. We got to record this. So I'll ask you one more time. <laughs> what is an energy reader and how is that relating to DJing? Energy reading is just understanding the energies that are present and understanding your own energy and also the energies around you. And for me, when I started DJing, I was always reading the room and picking up on the energies that would be in the space and everything from the venue to the people to the lighting, all of it has an energy towards it. So selecting music affected the way that I would play with through the energies that were in the room. And when I would DJ, I would always pick up on who had the best energy when they would come in and be like, okay, that looks like a fun guy or a fun person. And I would just pick up on their energy and I would transmute that energy into the crowd and just play through vibrations and sound that way (laughs) that is so amazing to hear how you used your gift or being of service as a dj you really did it based on what you were seeing in the room around you you weren't just like here's a set that i'm gonna play and i'm gonna come in and do my thing you really tuned into what the people needed and what they wanted and so Mm -hmm. i love that an energy reader for the past 15 years as long as you've been djing and so michelle tell us how did you get started in djing Well, it really started when I was in college and my best friend came home with this contraption and I was like, what is this thing? And he was like, I'm learning how to DJ. And I was like, oh, cool. And he showed me what buttons did what. And I basically was obsessed with it for two weeks and forgot about it. But before that, I was like also obsessed with making playlists. Music has always been a big part of my life. Starting from when I was maybe five years old, I started playing instruments and wanting to learn all different sounds. But it wasn't until I discovered DJing when I was like, oh my God, this is exactly what I wanted because I could take every single element of all the sounds that I wanted and creating it into my own. But basically, I went through college, forgot about it, like kind of 
I had call it life happened. And then I ran a hair salon and then I was working in finance and I was doing all these things and I was working a real job in the real world. And my cousin was a bartender at this club in New York City called Greenhouse. And I like went to go see her after work one day and I saw that the DJ booth was empty and I was like, oh, do you guys mind if I play some beats on that track, like on that thing? And this was like 13 years ago. There were no female Asian DJs actually back then. And my cousin was running the place and she was like, sure, do whatever you want. And so I was like, okay, cool. And do you guys mind if I invite some friends over and you guys can open up the bar? I'm like, sure. And so basically I put it on my Facebook status, come have a drink with me and my cousin. I'm going to play some beats and she's going to serve us some drinks. And 30 people and they're showing up and one person started popping bottles and they're like, can you keep playing? And I was like, I don't think you can afford me. And I was joking, but they were like, whatever, keep playing. And so that was my first DJ gig because after that, they booked me again. And that night, someone came up to me and was like, oh, I own an Asian club. I've never seen an Asian female DJ come DJ at my club. And I was like, okay. And then I became a resident DJ there. And then I became a resident DJ at Marquee. And then basically it just blew up. And I was like doing that. And I quit my job where I was working at. And yeah, I only planned to be a DJ for like a year. And it became forever, for like 13 years now. (laughs) (laughs) I never went back to my regular job. (laughs) Yeah, that is amazing. And I love that you called out that 13 years ago, it was like an Asian female DJ coming into the space. That was so amazing that you just asked and it took asking like, Hey, can I play? Cause I think sometimes we all have these dreams, but it's really hard or scary to take that first step to just ask. And even if it's a no on the first time, like to ask again, Hey, you see an empty booth. Can I play? And I, so I really commend you for that bravery and just, can I play? And then you posted on Facebook and you took one step after the other and look at where you are now. I want to ask, was DJing something that you were good at right away? Or did it take like practice and refining? Because it's your purpose. It's what brings you joy. But was it always something that was like, I came out of the womb knowing how to mix a track? So it's really funny, because actually, when my friend was learning how to DJ, when he came home with that contraption, he didn't know what he was doing. Like, it took him a long time to figure out how to beat match. But because I studied music and I played instruments it was very easy for me to beat match so how it all happened was he was showing me what buttons they want and I was able to do it really quickly and he was like how'd you do that and I was like well I'm not tone deaf and I know what beats like you know I know how to like signature counts and I'm like but well, this is not that hard and I have you know to me it makes sense and you know it's and anyone can learn how to do it. It's very easy to learn once you get used to it and once you understand it. But no, I wouldn't say I came out of the womb knowing how to do this, but I would say that I had a little bit of advantage to it just because I played instruments growing up. So, okay. and yeah, for that, that's kind of how it started. And of course, I put my first gig, I'm sure like I've definitely gotten better throughout the years, but it did come naturally to me being behind the DJ booth. And it's funny because I actually never asked to play. And it was just really funny how you said that because that is true. If I didn't ask to do that, and it was only because I asked because it was my cousin. But for me, and I've been learning about this, about my energy type that I've been recently getting human design and stuff. As a projector, I need to be invited to play. But because I've been doing it for so long, I'm invited to play, which comes naturally. But it's just funny because it is true. Like you don't get anywhere if you don't ask or like show that you can do that. And I've been trying to get more into saying, hey, like I can do this or provide this. So 
That's amazing. That's awesome. So I hear that with the music theory, you did have to have some background, some practice, some years of effort to then be well positioned to do what you do now. And that's amazing that it's kind of going against the grain of your human design, but it shows that even as like a projector or manifesting generator or generator, we all have different ways that we can kind of blend into those different personality types or borrow from them to kind of be the whole human experience. Like we can experience being a human from any type of those things we're just 10 towards one or the other but we can break that mold Ah, I'm also super curious about quitting your job because you said you had (laughs) hair salon and finance what is it like or what was it like for you to break that identity and be like this is the person that I've been and I'm now going to quit and be this new person that doesn't go get to work at 9 a.m and leave at 5 I get to work at 9 p.m. and I leave at two in the morning. You know, it's a completely different life. What was that transition process like for you? Oh my goodness. So going back to like school stuff, I really realized I never knew what I wanted to do. Like I never knew like exactly what I want to be or what I was going to do. Like when people would ask, oh, well, what are you going to do? And like, what are you going to be when you grow up? <laughs> and I'm like, it never felt like I could check a box, you know, yeah. you could be a doctor, a lawyer, a scientist, whatever it is. I could never see myself fitting into one of these boxes. So, you know, I was just mm-hmm. going through life in school and I'm just like, okay, well, I guess I needed to try it all to figure it out and find what was for me. But starting from a young age, I always knew that I wanted to do something with music or arts. For me, like mm-hmm. the arts and music were always, always felt aligned I just knew that that's something that I felt good doing and I wanted to work with that. But when I was in school, I didn't know how to make money from art or music. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about it and I was like, how do you make money as an artist? And when I would look research at like artists, most artists make money when they're dead, when they're passed out. Like, you know, (laughs) something like unless you bite your ear off or like do do something crazy. It's like art is nothing unless there's something very insane behind it, you know? So I was just like, oh, okay. And I don't know why in my head it was either you become a doctor or a scientist or work in business. And so I went into college going into a business school. I did that for like a year and I was like, this is not for me. The classes I was doing really, I'm a very good, I literally had classes where I was doing really well in and classes I was not doing well. I'm like, this is not for me. Clearly, like I'm not (laughs) doing well in this finance business class okay yeah <laughs> I was doing really well in these other classes so I switched my major to psychology and I graduated the psychology degree and after that I still ended up working in finance anyway because what I found interesting was in psychology is you get to understand like how people operate how you operate how you, your brain works all of these things that I found more interesting than studying something that is not gonna serve me later you know like this is wasted money so I still ended up working in finance for a few months just to check it out to see like, okay, is this for me? And that opportunity came because I feel like I've been doing the law of attraction for a long time and I didn't even know I was doing it. And I was like, okay, I tried it. It's not for me. Okay, moving on. And then this whole DJ thing just happened after that. Oh, and I also ran a hair salon right after college. So I did that for almost two years. Wow. Um, Wow. Yeah. Yeah, the whole business entrepreneurship. But yeah, I love that you said that you didn't identify with any of the boxes that they were presenting to you, that the society was presenting. Hey, you must fit the mold of one of these. And you're like, well, what if I don't? (laughs) And you created your own box because I think that's where so many people get stuck is they're like, I don't fit in one of these boxes. I need to make myself fit rather than 
where do I fit or where do I want to go? Because just mm-hmm. because these are the list of boxes on a piece of paper does not mean that I have to fit into one of them. Yeah. And I'm also hearing a lot of resilience from your story. You're like, I tried this out. I tried this out. You're taking things very lightly. Sometimes we view all of these decisions as super huge, life-changing in the moment. Yes, they are, but you can always go back. You can always get another corporate job. You can always go to another hair salon. There's so much gravity though when we're making it, which honestly sometimes makes it harder to make those decisions in the moment because you attach Mm -hmm. so much weight to them. How did you navigate the mindset of letting go of the hair salon, letting go of the finance job? Did it feel heavy to you in the moment? Or did you know that, no, I'll be okay no matter what. I know that I'm going to be able to move on. What was your headspace like in those moments? Yeah. So my mom always would ask, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Like, where are you going to go? What's happening? And I'm like, I don't know, but it's going to be fine. (laughs) I always had this feeling that I was going to be okay. And that made me feel like, you know, I I was never worried because I felt like I had a good head on my shoulder. Like once I felt like it wasn't for me anymore, I would just move. Oh, Mm. it, it almost felt like the time is done here, you know? And I've always worked. So I've always had a job since I was in, since I was like 15. I started working when I was like maybe 14, 15. I started off as a gift wrapper. I was wrapping mm-hmm. jewelry with my grandmother at a jewelry store. You know, I always had a job. So I always mm-hmm. felt like I had good work ethic where, okay, well, I'm functioning. Like I can yeah. do things, you know? Yeah. So I was never worried that I wasn't going to have a job. And it was just being in a job where I was happy, where mm-hmm. I felt, oh, I'm contributing, you know, I'm doing something. So where I decided to leave was when I would feel like, okay, there's nothing left for me to do here, you know? Mm-hmm. And so basically when I graduated, I didn't know what I was going to do. So I became like a VIP host for a few months and my friend offered me this job and was like, oh, like it's easy, you just walk clients to the table and I'm like okay you make easy money I'm like okay great my first day working there someone goes to me you look like you don't belong here I was like that's rude (laughs) my first day (laughs) he's like you look like you're too nice to be working in nightlife and I was like oh well that's kind of nice I think I don't really know how to take that you know (laughs) first night on the job I don't know and then he asked about what I do. And I was like, oh, I literally just graduated a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, well, I just opened up a hair salon for this really famous hairstylist from Frederick mm-hmm. Mackay. Like, he doesn't know anything about business, but needs help running his business. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. I kind of have experience with running a business because my parents have their own business and I helped them run it for a little bit. But so I did have some background in business. Yeah. He basically hired me that day. Like after that, my first day working at life, I already had this job running a hair salon. So I was managing a hair salon and I Mm. helped him open it and run it. And I did that for like a year to two years. And then I got this opportunity to DJ. Well, actually, no, I worked in finance first. And then while I was still working as a host, there was someone else that came in and was like, oh, we're hiring at our company, at our bank. And I was like, oh, maybe this is my time to check out if this is actually what I need to do. Because like, I was always thinking that finance was the way to make money. You know, like, I thought thought that this was like the way the corporate America, you know, like, this is how you're supposed to live in this corporate world to survive in New York City, you know, I thought that that's what it was. And so I was like, okay, I'll try it. 
And I had an amazing job. I had an amazing position at this bank and a great pay and fantastic. I was there for like three months. And then I got the opportunity to be a resident DJ at this club called Marquee and then all this other stuff. And so I had this other opportunity where I was like, okay, I can stay in this comfy job. And it's funny, the woman's job that I was taking, mm-hmm. she had been there forever. And she's a very lovely woman, but you know, like she was drenched in Chanel, like she was drenched in all of this stuff, but like she was finally retiring, but all she had was this job. Yeah. And she was like about like maybe 60 ish. Mm -hmm. And you know, she's like, Oh, I'm ready to travel and do all the things that I've never done. And I'm like, 16, you're going to do it now? Wait, what? Yeah. And so that made me think about, I was, I think, 23 at the time. And I was like, Well, I want to do that stuff now. I don't want to be, I don't want to wait until then and to do all that stuff. So I was only there for like three months and I decided to take this opportunity to travel the world and DJ. And my plan was only to do it for a year and it became, you know, I never went back. It became your life. Oh my gosh. That is so cool. (laughs) Just like hearing about all the little bits and pieces of you just very much said yes to everything. Okay. I have this job for you. Yes, let me try it. And I think it's Mm. such a good example of the surrender experiment of just surrendering Mm. to what life has to offer to you and then seeing, does it align and does it not? And if it doesn't align, being brave enough to be like, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to figure it out. Because that other side of the cozy corporate job does keep a lot of people stuck. It's, oh, well, I need to do this job so that I can pay my rent or I can live in the city. And there's this sense of security that comes with it, which yes, money is the energetic means of exchange in our society. You need to have money. You need to have, you know, credit to rent an apartment, things like that. And at the same time, in a lot of ways, in the event that you moved on from a job or you had a transitionary period, a lot of us probably would be okay, even though we would feel like the world is ending. You know, oh my gosh, I have to move here for a few months while I figure it out or something. But you would actually be okay. It's just that we've been taught to stay in safe positions Mm -hmm. and collect a ton of money and do well with it. You know, you Mm want to travel and you want to see the world, but somehow we've been taught to stockpile our money and to stay in one place and that's safe and that's secure. And flipping that on its head and doing something different is radical. And I even notice myself when I'm journaling and I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I'm going mad because I'm going to take X, Y, Z decision. I'm like, well, why am I ascribing the things that I want to do as mad or as crazy? Why Mm -hmm. am I ascribing what I love and what makes me feel happy as crazy? Because it doesn't in keep with societal standards of what is normal. And I sat with that and I was like, so you're just so expanding my belief of, yeah, it's possible to be like, yeah, exactly. It is. It really, anything is possible. Can you see like a self-driving car? Anything is possible. <laughs> yeah. You just have to believe in yourself. Believe that it is too. That learn that. I have to learn that. Yeah. For sure. So. I love that Marquee was probably the first club I went to in New York. It was like an incredibly rainy night. We like ran in there. We danced around and then we went home. That's yeah. one. You know, they have a great ball setup thing. I like. Oh, yeah. The ball. <laughs> But I think going back to some music, music's always been really important to you. And I know that right mm-hmm. now you're journeying more into sacred sound and you're exploring a different dimension to music that you hadn't before. So can you tell us about 
what is sacred sound and what brought you towards this dimension in music? Yes, a dear friend of mine, he always asked me, why haven't you made your own music yet? Like, why haven't you produced music? And mm. what's holding you back? Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I always want my music to feel like, you know, well, music in itself is already healing, but mm-hmm. I wanted more intentional healing and coming from source feeling like earthy feeling like it's coming from a sacred place and Mm. I just felt called to these sound bowls like the crystal sound bowls and yeah a dear friend of mine was like oh okay well here you go and then they just showed up and I was like okay I have no more excuse now (laughs) and so basically so basically I got these crystal bowls and then I was called to the gong and then I was like okay let me get the gong and so I started playing around with the gong and so yeah and it's so powerful and I I have friends in the sound meditation space that do it and it's just such a beautiful experience and it really is so healing and can open up new you know new dimensions in your own world and like Mm -hmm. unlock portals and heal trauma and do all of these beautiful things and music and DJing in in that space is a very like external escape you know Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a beautiful experience but a lot of the times there's no intention behind it and a lot of the times you go out you have a great night you hear the music and it does good for you for a little bit but then like when there's no guidance after that because like some people reach out to me all the time and it's like oh my god that music was amazing and it changed my life or like the sounds of the music or playing all this all that stuff it's a very beautiful experience you ever go hear a dj and oh my god the music was so good right because it's like these sound frequencies and harmonies and all this beautiful stuff so now that you can do it in like in a more intentional space in the sacred space you know without all the noise and you're able to go into your internal world to me is like such a it's healed me and it's helped me heal through my stuff and also clear out a lot of things that aren't for me and I want to help provide that for others too so that's kind of the space that I'm entering into more now and yeah it's exciting (laughs) that is so beautiful I really love the contrast that you just put together between the internal experience and the external experience because you're right, music and dancing and especially like party life, club life in New York City is to some degree sometimes like a coping mechanism. It's a, you know, you go and you dance and it absolutely is so much fun. And I will be the first to drop it down and shake. I love dancing. And Mm -hmm there is something to be said for like, yes, those spaces are amazing to dance and get in your body and listen to music and be in community. But a lot of the times in the way they're used, it's used to, oh my gosh, I need to forget about the week. The week was so stressful, or mm-hmm. I just can't stand my life during the week. So I need to escape on the weekend and create a life that I love in the moments that I have that are free. And you tune out your internal world and you get immersed in this external world that you create. And that is your solace and your savior. But what you're referencing is that sacred sound and sacred music has been a way to reconnect with that internal experience and heal it and experience sound in a way that really reconnects and grounds you within your internal self. And I think that's so, so beautiful and such an amazing way to put it. I am curious, how specifically does sound do that for you? Is it just kind of like 
laying there and letting somebody else's sound bowls playing like wash over your body and kind of finding a meditative state is it you yourself are meditating when you're playing or connecting to source how specifically does sacred sound help you create that internal experience yes for me both work and when I'm playing I play to what feels good in my body and my soul like how it flows for me and usually when that play like that it also is healing for others so I play and it heals me and then when I'm also participating in someone else's sound meditation it's super healing it's nice to just receive also Mm -hmm. but for me I'm receiving both ways because I'm playing and for me and for others and by healing myself I'm healing others in that sound space that soundscape that I'm creating Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I feel about it. (laughs) Yeah, it's another way of like surrendering and receiving instead of trying to feel like you need to do something to receive the healing. You just lay there for those that are participating. Like you just have to receive. Yeah, you just have to lay there and let the sound frequencies just go through you and whatever comes up for you and whatever comes up, you can keep and or you can let it go, whatever isn't serving you. It's really, really beautiful experience. (laughs) Yeah, like the gong I know for example I've studied with a teacher that says that the gong brings up a lot of ego and a lot of resistance typically so when you hear the gong and it feels uncomfortable to you you're like oh what is that like loud sound that's literally like dissonance in your body that Mm -hmm. is being cleared through or washed through with the vibration of the gong so I'm sure that you could probably explain it better than I can, but just from a technical perspective, these crystal bowls and the gongs all vibrate and they create vibrational echoes in the space that you are in. So if you are in person, especially these sound waves will come and wash over your body. If you're laying there, or if you're sitting there and they come at different frequencies or different vibrational frequencies. So they vibrate in different ways and they impact your body in different ways. Our organs all vibrate at different frequencies. Our body's made of water, which is also going to be impacted by these vibrations. So basically your organs will get in tune with the vibrational frequencies that are coming through. And if certain ones feel uncomfortable or feel dissonant, it's because your body's not in harmony with those things. And so it's helping clear that through. So that's just a sciencey thing. That's why you have to just lay there and receive. It might be discomfort that's coming up. It might be feelings of pleasure, but you just have to let it wash through you because the vibrations are doing the work. I don't know if there's anything that you want to add there that I might've missed or yeah. I think you, you I think you <laughs> described it perfectly. <laughs> Amazing. <That was> great. <laughs> Amazing. I love the intentionality. I love everything that you're exploring in the sound healing space. And I'm curious, what is your big vision of how would you ideally bring that into the DJ world? Is that something that you're still trying to bring together or how is that combining for you? People are doing it already, I think, you know, Mm -hmm. like slightly or trying to incorporate it a little bit. Maybe not, actually, now (laughs) I'm thinking about it. I mean, it's not popularized yet, but I'm sure someone's doing it. I don't know. But for me, it's more like I've just been trying to produce more music with it, with Mm. putting them in kind of in the background Mm. of tracks a little bit and playing it with more popularized songs and stuff. But yeah, so far I'm still in the process of creating it. But yeah, I definitely have some friends in the space that are super talented that are doing well doing. That's amazing, though. It sounds like you're making it accessible in the way that is currently most easily deliverable. 
you are making sound healing accessible by weaving it in to what you are delivering to the masses, which is sometimes mm-hmm. we need to meet people where they're at. So I love that you're doing that. Yeah, it's funny because like people would always come to my place after for an after party. I would usually be DJing somewhere and everyone would come to my place after and I would play for hours. I could play mm-hmm. forever. Music energizes me and I'm like mm-hmm. sober too. Like I don't even really drink, but since I got my gong and my bowls, people <laughs> come here and I just gong them now. And everyone just gets gonked and instead of <laughs> continuing the party, everyone's just, okay, I'm ready to go home and go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. You're like, let's just clear all of that energy out really quickly. Let's just, let's just clear your fields. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's been great. Cause then they're like, oh, I don't feel hungover. I feel like shit. And they're like, oh, I'm glad I didn't continue to drink three more, four more hours after the club closed, you know? Yeah. So the one other thing is, so I used to sing. And I've been more recently really called to sound healing, to picking up bowls, to recreating that. Because when I sing, I feel really connected to source, to love, to God. It's just a different, I feel like anybody who's in any musical career or instrument or likes to sing, you get lost in the sound. And what I'm kind of not necessarily nervous about, but I would love to know your experience with developing a relationship with the bowls you play and the sound and making it your own. Like, how has that been like for you? Oh, beautiful. It's, it is tapping into source when playing and singing, activating a voice. It's a very powerful thing. I, I highly recommend you getting some instruments <laughs> and experimenting with them. And it's been a beautiful growing journey for me. And especially in ceremony, I, I do mm-hmm. some ceremonies. So mm-hmm. especially in the ceremonial space, it really helps open up and mm-hmm. activate those. Do you, do you sit in ceremony or do you play for ceremonies? I've played and I've, yeah, it's just sitting and playing for them. So very powerful for yeah. activating and it really just lets your voice open up and that's healing. It's a very healing thing is when you're able to like open your voice, express yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Have you played the shooty box before? I haven't played it, but I know what it is. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So like if you sing with it, it's a very opening of the voice. It helps you open up the voice. Mm. That's so good to know. Amazing. My gosh. I have two questions for you. Uh One of them is about New York, which I already asked you about that a little bit before we started, but about New York and about specifically not drinking much. So I think New York Mm -hmm. has a very specific culture. That's like the work hard, play hard culture. There's a lot of people in the space. There's a lot of energy. And how have you navigated that? Like one, not drinking too much in a space where drinking is very normalized and two, being around so much energy all the time and preserving your sense of self in that. Yeah, that's great. So I basically, I don't really drink when I'm DJing. I don't drink actually. Before, like when I first started 13 years ago, I almost felt like I needed a drink just Mm -hmm. to DJ. Like I would be so nervous. I'm like, (laughs) oh, because I would have anxiety. I'm like, oh, what if I don't play well, blah, blah, blah. So I have a shot. But then when I'm DJing, I'm so busy DJing that I would always just, before it was always like I needed like a shot of tequila before starting mm-hmm. my set. And I would be like, okay. And I'm playing. And then I realized I would be so in tune. Like I would always need to pick the next song because I'm always reading the room. So I didn't even have time to drink. So mm-hmm. I would always be so busy, like trying to figure out what next song to, because I don't plan my sets before. I basically yeah. have just my music and I like mm-hmm. channel it, what feels right, what feels good. And I'm basically working the whole set. 
And so, and then I was like, oh, I don't really need to drink anymore. I don't need to take the shot before I go on. I just need to go in and just do it. And the bottles I would get would just basically be for my friends if they wanted to drink or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's when I realized, oh, I don't need to drink. I've never really enjoyed drinking. So yeah, I just, I don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, That's so um, special too, that you channel and create the entire set. That's so special that you show up there and you're like, I am going to tune into the people and it keeps the creative spirit of the spark alive rather than just being like, I have this package set that you're just going to listen to. And I'm going to pretend that I'm kind of like, you know, doing things here. Like it's so special to everyone in the room with you that you're doing that. Yeah. Also though, for me, it's because I enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. I started doing this because I really enjoyed doing it. Mm-hmm. This is something that I love doing. I like mm-hmm. love playing the right song and I'm always listening and paying attention to what sounds right or feels right in this space, in the current time and space. So yeah, that, that's a big thing is enjoying to do it, enjoying what you do. Nowadays, it's so funny, like when I see people DJing and they don't enjoy their DJing and I'm like, why are you DJing then? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's cool? No. <laughs> yeah. You got to love it. You got to love it. Yeah. That's with everything, right? We got to love what we do, but we forget that that's a possibility. Like you're like, it's just a job. Everyone has to have a job. I'm like, but there are people that love their job and it's such a helpful reminder. I also want to share that there was this book that I read also during the time when I transitioned where it's called the Ikigai. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of this word? Mm-hmm. It's a Japanese word. And it's when you take something that you love doing, something you can get paid for and what the world needs. And it's when you take those three things and you do what you love and that's how you're contributing to the world by mm-hmm. doing something you're passionate about and that you love. So that also helped me make the decision to pursue the DJing thing. That's so beautiful. (laughs) Thank you for sharing. And I'll link that down down below for everyone who's interested in reading. But that is amazing. Yeah, it really comes back to the fact that you have to love it. And then it is a way to provide for the world around you. It's a way to give back. It's a way to connect. Mm -hmm. And it's a way to show up in greater service of the community because we're not as much as we want to be all ecosystems that are self-sustaining and operating and like, I don't need to rely on people. Like we all are communal and connected and Mm -hmm. so energetically tied. And that brings us back to the energy of New York. So how has that been on your journey? (sighs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. It's been a lot. I must say I love New York. It's home. I'm a true New Yorker born and raised here, but yeah, as I said, it's time to for me like it can be a little bit draining and mm-hmm. you know the hustle and bustle it's a lot how have you taken care of yourself with my little sacred space <laughs> <laughs> that I've created <laughs> that's how I really got into the sound meditation space because that created an atmospheric nature vibe for myself you know I play instruments that are organic that plays with earth tones so that I feel grounded and keep me sane. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's why it's really needed here in New York right now. It's more than ever. Everyone's just so disconnected, I feel. Mm. Has it changed a lot since pre-COVID, post-COVID? In my opinion, yeah. Like during COVID, I really feel like New York changed a lot. It got a lot, I don't know, for me, like it felt a lot colder, you know? New York used to have this warmth to it and it just, kind of lost that warmth when COVID happened I guess and you know when everything shut down and everything got vandalized so much has happened Mm -hmm. you know and 
people coming back now I mean places are opening it's basically like a purge I feel mm. there, there was like a whole huge purge that happened so it's gonna be a new energy I feel coming into New York City mm. right now so yeah yeah what are you looking for in your next adventure wherever that may be I don't know if I'm looking for anything in particular, but for me, what I'm envisioning is just moving to somewhere that has a little bit more nature. I'm really missing the ocean, like ocean medicine. And I just want to wake up and be able to walk to the ocean and have that there. Because I did a lot of healing right before COVID and doing my sunrise and sunset meditations to the ocean. Like I did a daily devotional walk mm. to the ocean every morning for sunrise and sunset during COVID and like when the pandemic was happening and it was just the most healing thing ever so and I feel like that's something that I need right now so I can prepare to come back and be of more of service <laughs> yeah the ocean is deeply healing to me um, it's like one of the only places that I can sit and not do anything for a long period of time it's mm-hmm. it's truly so special um my soul is also calling me to leave New York at some point soon and I've been getting the messages that like Florida is the place I'm like Florida I'm from California I can have a beach here you know I mean it's to the point of I was walking home one day from work and my old car that I had in California before I sold it was right in front of my apartment building all packed up ready to go like it looks like it's about to drive away and the license plate says Miami and I was like oh my god I get it. Wait, <laughs> well, I'm considering Miami too, so <laughs> I'm like trying to manifest it and say it out loud. And I was trying to like choose between Fort Lauderdale, Del Rey, but I feel like moving from New York to Del Rey would just, my nervous system would be like, what is going on? Like Miami might be a little more palatable for a transition period. <laughs> yeah. Oh, funny. Yeah, I, it's so funny. I was going to say, but yeah, I, I'm actually considering moving to Miami. That it was really? definitely on my radar. Yeah. What is it? The, the beach, but also you have the energy that New York brings too. Yeah, <sighs> exactly. That's so wonderful. Yeah, yeah, maybe we'll both end up in Miami next year. I'm already visualizing it. I, I see it already happening. That's something <laughs> I think is going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see you there. I see us there. Yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And I don't know if this is on your radar too, but they have like sacred dance parties on the beach with like DJing, sacred sounds every weekend, all the time. It's so normal. It's uh-huh. so beautiful. Yeah. That's so up my alley. That's going to happen. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, little did I know when I DM'd you, there's actually so much more than we're even imagining. Before we close out here, any final thoughts that you want to share about DJing about sound about career New York any of the topics anything that you feel called to share yeah I just how I feel about it is that if you love DJing if you love sound if you love all these things just go for it and express yourself and do it and do it from love and just go for it you're capable and if you really love it if you are in the right heart space you can do it there's a lot of people ask me DJing and all the stuff and yeah go for it I teach people how to DJ as well so if anyone needs lessons I'm here to help amazing (laughs) thank you that's such a wonderful reminder that your gift and your creative expression is needed 
And Mm -hmm. it only takes your bravery and your courage to open that door and give yourself permission to go there with yourself and Mm -hmm. try it on and pursue what you know that you love. Thank you for that. Yeah, Yeah, Uh, keep on creating. (laughs) (laughs) And are there any offerings or where can listeners find you, connect with you, any offerings? I know you DJ and you help people learn how to DJ. So there's that, but where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at DJ M Francesca. D-M-F-R-A-N-C-H-E-S-K-A. And then, yeah, my email is michellefrancesca at gmail.com. Yeah. Yay. I'll link all that down below. Michelle, thank you so, so much. It was so amazing to connect with you. And I am so excited to keep in touch with our journeys, both in New York and in Miami. (laughs) (laughs) Likewise. Thank you for having me. Thank you so, so much for listening. And thank you to Michelle for all her time, energy, and intentionality with which she spoke on the podcast today about her journey, her honesty, her integrity. I hope you picked up on just such a genuine energy that Michelle brings to the table, her kind, loving spirit, and just how much she loves what she does. Thank you so much, Michelle. And thank you to all of you for tuning into the podcast. If you have any suggestions, questions, comments, things you would like to hear, things you would like for me to talk about, or guests you would recommend I have on, please reach out to me on Instagram. I'm there. My handle is Evolve with Sasha. In the meantime, I thank you so, so deeply for your time, your energy, and your presence. It's deeply felt, and I hope you have an incredible week.